Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Well, I'm so happy to be welcoming composer Osse Ased to Headliner Radio today. How are you doing, Osse? I'm doing great. How are you? Yes, good, thank you. And you're just telling me you were based in Brooklyn, but you've since moved out a bit further afield? Yeah, I'm I'm in uh in the lower Hudson Valley. Um and uh we just needed some more space to grow for both our family and also just have space to record and make music quietly. Yeah, how far from New York is that then? Uh forty minutes on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it, uh, I understand a lot of people commute into New York, don't they? Oh from, yeah, I mean the, yeah, I live in a commuter town, but I'm all actually about a mile away from um from the train pre-pandemic my uh my wife was heading into the city you know five days a week like many of our neighbors do you reckon, is that something that might improve a bit post-pandemic do you think i don't know been um, people not commuting and just working from home and kind of, that kind of thing and... yeah i mean i think it, it, we're very fortunate in that we have the space to accommodate you know multiple home offices uh, because i think now um, going forward, there's not going to be much commuting, at least for our family. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how other families are are really affected. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, you know, quite a few of our neighbors are now working from home almost full time, and maybe going in occasionally, and some aren't going in at all. Yeah, I mean, how many trips into the city are you making? Sort of pre-pandemic, and then yeah. Um, you know, I, I play in 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 a few bands, and so uh, I was going in. Mm-hmm about once a month to, to perform and uh, then the occasional meeting as well in, in into the city. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a big museum goer. So, for, you know, for non-work related stuff, I, uh, I'm usually in the city, uh, I'd say once a week. No, amazing. In fact, a lot of the composers I've spoken to recently are in New York. So I guess oh, really? there was once a time where it felt like you had to be in Los Angeles, right? But it feels like those days are long gone now. There's p- composers, not only in New York, but in Europe and everywhere. It feels like that's been put to I, bed, that need to be in Hollywood kind of thing. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, but, I mean, I, 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 I hope so. I don't mind Los Angeles. And if I you know, end up there at some point, uh, maybe I'll eat it. But uh, I, I'll say, you know, I, you make a home and you're kind of there. And, and this, is, this is where I... Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm most comfortable so far. I, I don't necessarily need to be here for all of my life, but it, it, I think the pandemic has proven that we can all do this remotely. And so many of us were already doing parts of our job remotely because of the speed, the pace at which we're working. Um, we can't always be in the same place as, um, you know, our musicians and other collaborators. So I, I think... You know, even in Los Angeles, the folks I know who are working there, it's not as if they're, you know, in meetings every day or anything like that. It's more mm. uh, just being accessible. And if if people can do that remotely, I think many, many people are happy not to take the extra hour of travel to a place. No, absolutely. So I guess with that in mind, could you, would you mind letting the people know a bit about yourself and in particular, sort of how you got into music and and particularly how the interest is in working in film and all, of course, all the various other things you do all came about. As yeah. Well. Amazing. I, I mean, I, I started playing music when I was uh, fairly you know, young, I guess, although not as young as, as some instrumentalists. Uh, I taught myself mostly how to play all the instruments that I play. Um, mostly I was 
interested in playing punk rock when I was a kid. Um, but that all sort of was preceded by a few friends of mine and, and myself deciding that we were going to make a movie and our parents squashing that. And so we decided, well, we're going to show them, we're going to write all the music for this film. And, you know, that turned into some very odd musical that we wrote. Um, <laughs> none of us even slightly familiar <laughs> with the form, but uh, just making up songs and, and uh, trying to record them on, on a you know, cassette recorder. And, uh, we just never stopped, you know, and, and uh, I found new collaborators as I, uh, my interests sort of widened. Uh, some of them uh, I continued to play music with for, for years. And uh, even one of the musicians I play with now in one of the two bands I'm in, I've been playing music with for, uh, you know, 25, 30 years now. Uh, and we started playing music together in a spontaneous composition uh noise <laughs> band and you know never really looked back um but now the music that we play in in uh, the group that we share is uh sort of i guess it's americana reflective although i wouldn't call it americana by any means it's uh definitely still got a bit of uh Mm. a bit of wild punk and, and some noise and some dissonances that you wouldn't find and some chord changes that you might not find in Americana music. Um, so yeah, mm. that's, I, that was really, that's the short story of how I, I came to music. Um, I, I play in, in two bands. Uh, one is the woes and the other one is big hands rhythm and blues band. Um, big hands is a more sort of straightforward blues group, which is a lot of fun. A lot of great players in that and uh the woes is uh a little more odd and uh mm -hmm. less straight ahead and right. the collaborators in that band are are some longtime friends we've been doing that project in one form or another uh since 2001 2002 and yeah yeah amazing um so you're very much a multi-instrumentalist to be yeah what do you play um, I, I will, I will try to play anything that that's put in front of me, but, uh, there, you know, I, I'm, I'm generally best at, uh, any of the, the stringed, uh, American instruments, you know, the mandolins, banjos and, uh, guitars and so on, mandolas, mandocellos. I, you know, I write more than I play. And especially now, uh, for the last few years that I've been scoring film, you know, it's sort of anywhere that your imagination can take you. And, and um, on a stage, you know, I sing and I write the song. So it, it doesn't really so much matter what instrument I have in my hands. And as long as it can get the point across. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I can do that on, on any instrument at all. But uh, it, that tends to be more, you know, guitars and such. But in the studio, I, I have attempted all sorts of uh, instruments, you know, and everything from percussion to uh, bowed viola and violin uh, to various, you know, degrees of effectiveness. Yeah, because, I mean, this interview is very much off the back of your recent Netflix collaboration, but, I mean, did, did film come quite a bit later in your musical life? And, I mean, do you more identify as a composer or... Do you more feel grounded in these bands you've just been talking about or yeah? Um, no, I mean, I always just wanted to write music and um, as a, as a kid, you know, I, I'm a first generation immigrant here to the U S and uh, my family is very much sort of an academic uh, and 
family and and everyone mm-hmm. goes to school and it took a long time for me to figure out what I was going to do with my with my life uh, and the only thing that kept recurring the only thing that was a constant was music um, so it, it but I never really knew all of the possibilities you know I, I the only time that you saw music or that I saw music um, as a kid was people performing it and I knew I wanted to be a part of it somehow um, I didn't know that there were <laughs> composers still living. I figured all all the useful songs had been written. Um, but then I recall, you know, the first battle of bands that we played showing up and everybody was playing songs by all the people on the radio. And I was shocked. And I, I my, my, my friends and I, you know, we taught ourselves how to play our instruments and, and we were all shocked. We we're like, wait, you could just play other people's music. Um, and so that's been always my approach is, is, is to, to create what it is that I'm going to perform. But, you know, it doesn't have to be performed. Uh, it, it can just be shared. Uh, and I love the idea of utilitarian music and that probably comes from an interest in folk music and film really gives the opportunity for music to serve a purpose outside of itself. And, um, you know, documentary in particular is interesting because you're you're telling stories, stories that apply to our everyday lives and um, try to, you know, teach lessons for our everyday lives um, and, and mm. share information. So um, I think the idea of making music that's useful is exciting to me. Yeah. Cause I was really keen to ask um, playing the kind of jazz music in the big hands rhythm and blues band you mentioned, I guess that involves a lot of, you know, playing live and, um, you know, of course, improvisation does that, that must offer a really nice contrast to, working in film from a studio, you know, lots of editing, tweaking, rewrites, rewrites, even so two very different worlds I'm imagining, but maybe there's some overlap you find as well. I don't know. Um, I, there's some overlap in, 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 in sort of the approach to crafting uh, a piece of music, but you know, they, they are, they're, they are very different. They're complementary, but they are very different modes of making music. And I, and I'm, appreciate all modes of making music. I just mm. love, right? it's the thing I love to do. It's been the only constant in my life. Um, you know, although I, I now have a family and all, <laughs> all those sorts of things, but uh, it, it's been something that has definitely shaped who I am and it it's made everything worth it. No, absolutely. Um, so how did the working in film come about and can you kind of pinpoint a moment in your career where you had a sort of breakthrough of that side of your work absolutely um a good good dear friend of mine who actually played with me in the woes for a number of years dan romer uh had scored a film called beasts of the southern wild and when he was asked to score his next project uh it was very much sort of leaning into the americana elements of uh beasts and he said well you know, I'd love to do this, but I'd love to do it with some friends. And so he uh, asked myself and another former bandmate of ours, Oscar Chabebe, to uh, co-score a film with him, which was uh, The Last Season, um, directed by Saradosa. And we made the music for that film in just a couple of weeks. Um, but that was really the first time that we got to organize music or that I had to organize music for film. And that was, I would say, a definitely a breakthrough moment, although um, it, it was followed not long after 
by um, another collaboration with Dan, which happened actually at the same time as I was asked to um, score a film by my friend Keith Maitland, which was Tower. And Keith and I had been planning to work together for a number of years and in fact had discussed making music for a film that he was doing, boy, maybe 10, 10 years before Tower. Um, but that film never got made. Uh, Tower did, and I ended up scoring that one. And I think, you know, that along with, um, I think it was Finders Keepers and Jim uh, came out in about a year and a half. And that I think with, of course, uh, the last season having been in the, a couple of years before that, um, really, I guess, gave me a, a little bit of a resume that I could, you know, show to people. And yeah, I think that that's, largely that those were the early sort of films I did that that helped sort of set me on a path I think when uh Jackie um Olive when Jacqueline Olive asked me to compose the music for Always in Season uh the success for that of that film probably cemented uh what was you know a, a slowly developing resume and um gave me a number of opportunities I I, I almost certainly would not have had without it yeah and no, i was listening to and enjoying enjoying your music for always in season could you tell us a bit about that project and kind of your approach to scoring it there's some really amazing vocal work in that score isn't there oh thank you that's all me um oh, wow. <laughs> uh, it's um you know jackie had some ideas for the score um sorry i i need to call her jacqueline so jacqueline olive mm -hmm. and uh and, and don uh had had reached out to me about the score and they had some ideas for what they wanted from the score in, in terms of it, it its physicality so they wanted for it to occupy a physical space because the movie is very visceral and, and it just really is very much about the lack of control over um, over bodies and, and particularly the, the bodies of black men. Um, and so I, using my body as an instrument, uh, some of the percussion that you hear through the film is also my, my body. Um, but the, the element that really I think came across was the idea of a voice. Um, and so I, I managed to use that probably the most effectively of those sort of uh, visceral physical um, instruments that that we'd imagined together. No, amazing. And so, recently working on um, Netflix's "Amend the Fight for America." Um, and just for background, that's executive produced and hosted by Will Smith. And then you've got people like Mahershala Ali, Diane Lane, Samuel L. Jackson, Pedro Pascal. I could go on, but I won't. Um, that must have felt like such an incredible prospect. And yeah, I mean, how did you originally become involved in that? Um, Adam Weber, who uh, is a who was a, a producer on that project, uh, brought me in and asked, uh, you know, if I'd be interested in scoring. And so, you know, we had quite a few conversations, uh, he and I, but then um, myself and a bunch of the producers. There were a lot of producing partners in that project, and so, you know, we talked about what we wanted and um, and what, what they'd hoped for. And it was, you know, it was, it, it was a long process, uh, getting the gig, but also it was a long process, 
um, for the project to come together. And I think when it did, I mean, it was absolutely, it was more, way more than I, I imagined that it was going to be. Uh, obviously, you know, the actor readings are incredible, but the animation is also, is just as incredible. And I, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's wonderful to see so many of the experts who are interviewed in uh, across, you know, so many of the projects I've worked on over the past few years all appear <laughs> in, in that one uh, one project. It was uh, it was also exciting. It was just as exciting as seeing all those wonderful actors. Um, you know, it is it, it was an incredible project to work on and uh, an incredible story to get to tell. And uh, I, I love that I was given so much freedom in terms of finding the voice of the score because we knew it, it needed to be something that could work across um, different time periods, could exist both in the you know late 1800s as well as uh, in today's America, and so it, it, and and work alongside you know some really excellent uh, some excellent source music, some really wonderful placement. Uh, of licensed mm. cues so it, i mean it, it was yeah it was it was a humbling project to be a part of yeah you mentioned it being a long process to get the gig was that with it being a netflix project was were you up against a few other names and um yeah can you remember how you uh, Vic, were victorious in that <laughs> in, in, you know actually i don't know whether there were other names i that was never something that was revealed to me um i at the time i didn't have an agent or anybody representing me um it was just a lot of of, of talking about it and, and and sorting whether or not you know we we were going to be a good team i i think you know it was less of a it was less of a battle than 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 a getting to know you uh, you know it was figuring out what what uh what i was about i think you know i hadn't done anything of that scale it was uh, at at the time you know that that i was hired it was the biggest project i'd done so far so you know i think each time you each time you get a new, new new team together, you want to make sure that everyone's going to work well together and is going to be able to roll with the punches. And um, yeah, it takes a little while to figure that out sometimes. Yeah, I mean, how's it all been for you? It's not, from the way you've described it, it sounds like it's been quite overwhelming going from largely being a band musician to suddenly you're doing quite a few film projects in a relatively short space of time, it seems like. Yeah, it kind of, kind of uh, turned into the last just few years has has turned into full time um, making music for film. It, it, it's wonderful, you know. I, I get to do the thing I'd always hoped to do, which is to make music every day. I I, I can't think of a better way to spend my time. No, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, in terms of the show, could you just, in in your own words, tell us what the what this Netflix limited series? It's about, I understand it really centers around the 14th Amendment in the American Constitution, right? Yeah, and the 14th Amendment is ultimately the part of the Constitution that grants us all the rights that we now take for granted um, in American society. I mean, it establishes birthright citizenship, which ultimately is who gets to be a citizen. Um, and, and that's one of, you know, the first questions that is answered um, by the 14th Amendment, because 
without it, um, I wouldn't be able to vote. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't born here, but, you know, I, I, I found a path to citizenship, uh, but it, it, it is what allowed um, American Blacks to vote. Uh, prior to that, there was, you know, no, no provision for it. It also is the first place that women are mentioned and, and excluded um, explicitly. Um, uh, because before then it was a foregone conclusion that, that women should not be allowed to vote. So, you know, I, I think contesting that, uh, like providing that language to, to fight against also um, opened the door ultimately to equal protection for women, uh, equal protection for uh, under, you know, the right to marriage, um, who can marry whom. It, it's, it, it's most of what we think of when we think of our, our society. Um, yeah, the good parts anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so why with all the actors involved, the producers, Netflix, and yourself, what? Yeah, why did this feel like the right moment to um, explore this in a new television program? I think, given the uh, current political climate, it, there's no one who wouldn't want to look to uh, defend you know, the rights that so many of us has come, have come to enjoy mm. um, as citizens um, or as dreamers or those of us who, I guess, hope to enjoy uh, certain rights. But I, the, the project had actually um, been conceived of prior to um, the last presidency mm. and the current political moment. I think um, it took a long time for it to be made. Um, but, I, you know, I think the wake of uh, Barack Obama's presidency and sort of the um, white nationalist and white supremacist backlash to his being uh, the office holder, the, the chief executive, inspired a lot of storytelling and i think then the last presidency kind of necessitated it so uh, i think that that's yeah that probably sums it up as well as i can yeah i mean because on the face of it the amendment sounds wonderful giving people the basic rights they deserve is this the program discussing kind of complications that have arisen in the ensuing years around the amendment the kind of absolutely yeah the yeah that's why it travels across yeah yeah, can you kind of talk through that bit without giving away the show entirely, of course? But um, yeah, what what are some of the problems? Um, well, I think the, the 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 first. Let's see. I'm trying to remember them, I didn't do them in order. So there was um, mm. the right to marriage, equal protection, um, marriage clause. So which essentially um, in what is it? Love. God, there are people who are paid to talk about these things and who uh, are paid to study these things even, <laughs> that are far, probably far more articulate at um, explaining all of these. But uh, I can go through the, um, the different episodes and then tell you a little bit about what happens within you know, the combines of the episode. So there's um, the first episode deals with uh, the 14th Amendment, the introduction of the 14th Amendment, and the, the question around citizenship and how it comes to be that um, you know, citizenship is even in question uh, following the Civil War, and 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 what what require why the Fourteenth Amendment is even required, um, and then once it is 
sort of ratified, uh, it's immediately, you know, people set out to, to cut out all of the provisions and everything uh, that, that's, that's laid out within it. Um, mm-hmm. And it, ultimately, the first three episodes deal with that uh, and, and largely center around uh, Black Americans and their battle for equality under the law. Um, we then move into uh, the suffragist movement and um, women's equality and how that ties into the 14th Amendment and um, who gets to be, who gets to enjoy the rights of citizenship. Because uh, obviously if you exclude half of the population, that's, uh, you know, everybody's no longer equal. Um, mm. Yeah, and then we we go into love and, and marriage, uh, and then finally into immigration and uh, the idea of dreamers mm-hmm. and how. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so with those huge names we've mentioned, like Samuel L. Jackson, Diane Lane, Pedro Pascal, are they kind of discussing their experience of the amendment, sort of in practice, versus how nice it sounds on on the page, kind of thing? I'm, I'm assuming. No, the, the, the really wonderful, exciting thing about their involvement is that they all portray, well, often, uh, Will, Will, and, uh, Will Smith and um, Larry Wilmore both act sort of as our guides through um, to, to sort of weave between the uh, various uh, expert interviews and the performances. So there are all these great performances by these amazing actors uh, that are are really actually very minimalist um, readings. I mean, they're they're minimalist in the sense that the setting is minimal and that there are no true recreations um, by those actors, but their portrayal of these historical figures is just, I mean, Mahershala Ali as Frederick Douglass is 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 chilling, it, and it's it really it's beautiful. The, the whole the whole episode is the whole season is peppered with with those kinds of performances. Um, and then you have these, uh, aside from photographs, which I, I you know a lot of photo images, photo images, and archival images we've seen maybe in other series. Um, some of them are new to this one, but one combined with the uh, the graphic art, the animation, it really, it, 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 it's raised, the stakes are, are raised and it feels much more immediate than it could from archival images alone. Oh, amazing. No, I made sure to add it to my Netflix list. I'm absolutely definitely sold now if it wasn't before. But, um, yeah, musically, so how did you approach this? This doesn't sound like a show that's calling for a big over-the-top bombastic uh, film score. Yeah, how? Yeah, what was your approach to it? Um, I wanted, and and this is something that we talked about early on, even long before I started scoring. Um, I wanted to have something that was that said America. Just you, you'd listen to it and you think, oh yeah, America. Um, and and to me, you know, a lot of that comes from uh, you know early sort of uh, American orchestral music, and and but at the same time, I didn't want to have 
an orchestral score, and nobody really wanted to have an orchestral score. Um, but some of those elements, some of those those melodies, those folk melodies, um, played by orchestral instruments, um, and then placed in a minimalist minimalist uh, musical setting, uh, was sort of the goal, and that that was the approach I used. Yeah, when when did you get to record this? Was this all pre-pandemic, or was it a case of working within the limitations or yeah it was uh, a, a lot of it was uh, during the pandemic it was actually um all recorded and, and uh written in over the course of maybe uh three months i think or there were there were, there were some music that had been written prior to that but uh yeah it was all it was all during the pandemic and uh recorded remotely and uh quickly <laughs> mm. Also, like with Always in Season, there's a lot of the music we're hearing directly from you, or as you mentioned, you yeah, have a few for, remote collaborations as well. Yeah, I did. I, did, I had far more um, remote collaborations in uh, in Amend than I did in Always in Season. Always in Season, um, I, I do. I, I think I, I ended up having some string players, but uh, for this score, there was there was a lot more of that. Um, and uh, actually, I'm in, in the process right now of, of uh, wrapping up a production for the uh, the score, the soundtrack album, which uh, has, uh, I mean, tons of woodwinds and brass and percussion and strings and everything. Now, yeah, I was going to ask when we can expect the release of that. Is that coming up soon? Yeah, I, I think uh, I expect sometime in, in, in the next month or so. Oh, amazing! I, we haven't set a date yet. I, I still have to. Yeah, I, I'm hopefully, hopefully it'll be sooner. Um, I just have to finish <laughs> finish mixing it. Mm. Oh, so, so you say the show? You suddenly felt the show called for an American sounding score. Was that mainly coming from you, or was that with the whole team behind the film on board of that? Or yeah, what was the main kind of spearheading of that? Be amazing to hear. I probably uh, shared the language, but I, I I don't think that I think that that was probably the reason that they wanted to hire me in the first place um, mm. was because there was going to be an element of that. Um, but I, I, I probably first articulated it and uh, then went about trying to demonstrate it and 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 refine the language that we'd use across the six episodes. Because again, you know, we're, we're traveling through time, um, but I also didn't want to be too precious because it, the the whole series should feel um all of a piece and should feel immediate yeah because something i love asking composers about is the whole temp music thing some oh you get some stories where it's really swimming goes swimmingly and it's lovely and then i've heard horror stories as well was there sort of americana temp music attached to the first edits of this film or um no i mean some you know i think the music that that is usually tempted with, I think for, I find as long as you know conversations can be ha- had um, regarding the intent, um, mm. once the, the the score rules are established, we can sort of work around whatever limitations because temp music is always going to be temp music anyway. Um, you know, mm. not that it doesn't ever inform uh, what what we then right but i think really the big key is uh why is this piece of music here 
Um, and, you know, and we had some really wonderful spotting sessions with uh, the entire creative team that helped craft direction for every episode. Um, and, and we did go over it inch by inch, you know. Um, so I, I think everyone on that team played a big part in, in the voice that the score ultimately had. Yeah, because I suppose worst case scenario, sometimes directors get really attached to a temp track and it becomes almost a copy and paste job for the composer. But I don't know, with you, it sounds like sure. because directors are seeking out your particular sound that maybe not too many other composers are offering, it seems like that doesn't appear to be a problem too much in your career, which is a, a great thing. Not yet, but I, yeah, one never knows what, what, what will be asked down the line. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel very fortunate that I get to... Um, make the sound that I, that's, that, that I, I need to make. Mm, no, amazing. Um, so I guess this feels really relevant, especially with this series in mind. If you don't want to go there, please. So it's just because I've spoken to a lot of uh, female composers who've, say sometimes it feels like going against the wall when it's such a male-dominated industry, film composing, um, and obviously very white, male-based as well. So I'd lo just love to ask about your experience of that. Um, if you're happy to discuss that, obviously don't have to, but, um, yeah, has that presented challenges to you or has it all been, has that been okay for you? Well, it's interesting, you know, you should ask, I, I think, I don't know about challenges. I guess there's a, there, there are a few things I think about it. One is obviously I, I, I am very fortunate, um, in that I am working. I, I get to work doing a thing that I love and, um, I get to, be in my home where I want to be and do that. So I, I mean, in terms of challenges that I might face, I think it's, it would be unfair for me to say I, I face greater challenges than, than many other people who are facing much more difficult times, um, mm. you know, than I am or have been, have found themselves in much more difficult situations than I have recently, especially regarding work. Um, yeah. You know, personally, we all, we all have our, our, our tragedies, but I think, in terms of being a, a black composer, there's, there's of course always the fear um, of, of, or rather not the fear, but maybe the question as to why um, one gets pulled into a project. And at the same time, you know, to offset that there's, well, people used to get pulled into a project because they were white male and they knew the white male who was doing the, the project mm -hmm. and they were going to hire them. So, you know, it, there's, I, 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 I'm appreciative of the fact that it, it does seem as if people are, are recognizing that in order to tell stories of a diverse world, we're going to need, you know, diverse voices. So the fact that people are thinking about that at all, I think is, is an amazing thing. Um, how successful we ultimately are. Um, you know, I don't know what, what I guess time will tell really. Um, you know, there's always a tendency to say we're not doing enough or there's, there's, you know, things aren't happening quickly enough. And that, that might be true. Uh, in fact, it, it, it almost certainly is true, but, things never happened quickly enough. Um, you know, we were always told to wait. And the only thing really that we can do is battle against the tendency to wait. So, you know, uh, for, for me, that means, you know, as I find myself here now um, in this suddenly, you know, privileged place where uh, how, how can I 
you know, help to broaden that world or make make the world um, of storytelling in this way a little a little bigger. And yeah, I guess the, mm. that's it. Yeah, I'm just because I'm very conscious the the conversation around female composers because there's so many female composers, but they often don't get the work, um, uh, which was highlighted especially when uh, Hilda Gwadotsudnir won the Oscar a couple of years ago. Yeah. Do you feel that conversation should be starting to really encompass you know black composers um, as well, or do you just feel like it's down to people like yourself to just keep getting the work and you know show you that? Um, Yes, it doesn't just have to be white composers, for example. Oh, I mean, I think that I absolutely think that those conversations should happen and mm. and, and and be inclusive. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I just think that what I can do um, is is the work. You know, I I, I don't, you know, and and I'll lend my voice wherever I can, uh, and and mm. you know, look for opportunities to do so even. But you know. <sighs> the question around changing the world uh, for composers, although I think it's, you know, very important. Uh, I, I look to uh, Suriname, which is the place where my, my, uh, my family comes from in South America, mm. which is a tiny little country, which has been on lockdown for the last couple of weeks. You know, people are living like hand to mouth right now. A lot of folks who were, you know, out of work because the whole country's on lockdown because of, uh, you know, COVID. So there, I guess what I'm saying is that not that this is not a problem or not an issue, but there are so many larger issues in the world that I think um, it, this is not the one that takes up this, all the space at the front of my mind. And so it's hard to, to say, you know, um, that there should be um, a black composer who should win an Oscar because of course that, that, that they, they, somebody should, um, of, of course, like, you know, there should be prize winners and everyone should be hired um, regardless of what they look like and regardless of their gender and regardless of their sexual preference in all kinds of jobs, uh, you know, but there are so many other, I guess, greater tragedies that, I, I guess maybe because I work in documentary that I that I have to face, you know, even look, looking at this entire series. I mean, it just seems like there's so many more things, so many more mountains to climb. That that when I think about it in through the filter or through through the lens of uh, composers specifically, um, I, I you know where I think it, the, the world could be a lot better. I guess I'm I'm, I'm grateful to be a storyteller at this moment. Um, I'm great. It, it, I think it's an exciting moment to be a storyteller. Um, I, I do, I do think you know the whole the whole industry could be more inclusive. But again, there there are just so many tragedies on on this planet that I I, I feel I, I I almost feel like I'm <laughs> I'm taking for granted those who are suffering far more than than um, composers looking to work. Mm. No, I think that's such great advice, really, to strive to make things better, but have another foot in always being grateful to be where you are as well. Is, that's really powerful. Um, I think, in other words, we just need you to win an Oscar. That's going to help the situation a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, maybe a weird place to go from there. But I'd love. Do you have a home studio, though? I'd love to ask you a bit about 
about that, some of the things you use to do your work? Um, um, so, I do. Yeah, maybe starting with your yeah. DAW, what are you working in? I'm working in Pro Tools. Mm, cool. Almost, just about exclusively, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do you use many plugins? At sort of, do you use, for example, do you use like Spitfire Audio to craft your sounds in the demoing stage and those sort of things? And I do use a lot of Spitfire and, and, and some Cine samples and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some Strike Force and uh, True Strike and all of those kinds of uh, virtual instrument libraries. And, um, you know, so a bunch of processing p- plugins as well um, to craft even in the, even in the demoing uh, phase. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but I also use a lot of, you know, real instruments. I mean, sitting here uh, around me, I've got accordions and double basses and all kinds of percussion from everywhere and maybe 20 or 25 or so um, different fretted instruments. Uh, so you know, I've got a, a help and still, and uh, right now I've, I, on on loan, I have a Swarmatron. I've got a some some Moogs and some other um, synthesizers. Yeah, no, amazing. Um, so, do you use the kind of Spitfires, etc., for demoing? It'd be great to hear which are your kind of favorite packs. Which it sounds like you then replace with real sounds as soon as you can. But I'm guessing that's an important part of the process. Yeah, I mean, I, I replace so, uh, except for when I don't. Um, and sometimes I blend, you know, it just really depends on what the, what specifically I'm looking for texturally. I think it, it, it's hard once you create a world to, to abandon it entirely. And I think um, for me, mixing is a, as important as, uh, as writing. I think that, you know, creating the textures are, are as you go, really help inform kind of what the, what the, tonal sort of footprint of the of the score is going to be so sometimes you you know you work really hard to craft a sound um, from these virtual instrument libraries and you know you use all your plugins and you mix them just the way you th- as close as you think they're going to get mm. and then when you add live instrumentation you're like well you know kind of like the low end from this too so maybe i can just pull a little bit over this pull a little bit of this over here um so yeah. you know I, I i blend them not infrequently no, yeah, it's about getting that lovely balance, isn't it? Um, with all that, with your array of instruments you mentioned, do you, I bet you have a lot of fun with effects plugins to kind of experiment stuff. Yeah, it'd be great to get some examples of that. Presuming you do that, uh, you know, with the effects plugins, I, I, I don't go too. You know, I, I love some of the UAD stuff, but I also uh, am, am, am very appreciative of like Sound Toys. Sound Toys. Uh, plug-in set is is i think fantastic uh decapitator uh is just i mean yeah it's pretty great their their, their compressor which um I, i'm forgetting the name of right now but i was just using two hours ago you know it's kind of you you, you fall into a pattern you're like oh, it's almost working on automatic i say okay well it, it needs this kind of compression and, and then you you find it um i, I you know there's there's depending on what kind of colors uh I, i'm going for there's a any number of uh, effects plugins that I might use, but I don't, I think besides, uh, you know, I guess distortion and, and harmonic um, effects, there are some delays I like, I guess, um, and, and reverbs. I think the space that a sound exists in and it's, uh, 
its proximity to your person uh, and, and sort of, I, I find very important. Um, so I, I've been a big fan in the last uh, few months of, of Altiverb. I've been a long time Valhalla um, user, but Altiverb is also, you know, just incredible. I like the UAD Capital Chambers and um, they, they have a couple of other really cool uh, sort of um, reverb units that, that I enjoy. But yeah, space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, did, did you mention a few lovely simps there? Which are your favorite ones? Um, you've got um, some I've been... What's that? Kind of like analog simps, it sounds like you mentioned... Yeah, my favorite, my, my, my favorite one um, of late, well, it, it's really been the one that I've, I've gone to most often is the Kajimi um, by Black Corporation. Okay. No, I don't um, know it, it, Yeah, it, it's pretty fantastic. It doesn't have a whole lot of, um, of sort of, uh, I guess, high-end information, um, but uh, high-frequency information, but it, it is just, has a very unique footprint. No, so I, I enjoy, you know, because because of the way that I, the pace I work, I usually, you know, I might make sounds or have someone make sounds and uh, from my my recordings and then pop them in, uh, maybe to contact or to Iris and manipulate them there um, uh, as sort of performance instruments once I find the textures I want. But sometimes you just have to go to the synth itself and try it out and, and, and see how far you can go if you if when, when you need to explore mm, yeah brilliant um uh, so staying on gear kind of um i'd love to hear about your favorite speakers um sound card microphones all that kind of stuff as well um i'm right now uh using a pair of wonders um the uh, i believe it's the c7s it's there's there's 67 clones um, which aren't quite clones but are, are really uh, wonderful um i, I use a, a warriors as well those are probably my go-to mics um i have uh, you know an sm7 i don't have a, a huge microphone library um mm -hmm. but the microphones i have i'm i you know i try to use them judiciously <laughs> um and I guess. Oh, and I've got a a, a Burl B sixteen, which got which has all my uh, my ADC and DCA, and um, what else am I using gear wise? Um, what else did you ask about? I'm, I'm <laughs> um, yeah. So, so speakers we covered. Um, oh, speakers are yeah. I'm using Neumann uh, KH three uh, tens. Oh, wonderful! Did you mention your sound card you're with? currently or? um no I, I i you know i'm not a producer guy i have no idea oh no no worries <laughs> <laughs> yeah. amazing um oh yeah well thanks so much for chatting with me today Do you, um so you mentioned that amend is getting a release soon and then yeah i guess while well, the red carpet's still out is there any other your projects you'd love to point people towards and um, things coming up for you as well yeah, um, there's another series on uh, Netflix called High and Hog, um, which I'm, I'm particularly proud of. That's uh, uh, directed by Roger Ross Williams or produced by, and um, that one's about African American foodways. It's pretty exciting. 
and uh, I'm co-composing music for a project that will premiere, I guess, later this month at a AFI Doc Fest, which is um, Barack Obama in pursuit of a more perfect union, um, mm -hmm. which is just a fantastic film, which uh, chronicles um, Barack Obama's, uh, I guess, you know, entry into politics as well as documenting his uh, his presidency, and yeah, those are those are the the, the current the current slate of projects. I, I guess this uh, this week I also actually have um, premiering at uh, Tribeca, Dear Mr. Brody, and mm -hmm. um, Through the Night. Uh, Dear Mr. Brody is by Keith Maitland, who directed Tower. Um, Through the Night is by Lloyd Olimbo. And both of those are fantastic um, films. And also premiering uh, is And So I Stayed um, at the Brooklyn Film Festival, which is a film about um, women incarcerated for killing their uh, abusive uh, partners. And uh, the sort of lopsided sentencing guidelines for women uh, in that position as opposed to men who serve far shorter sentences. Well, I can't imagine how you did so many projects so <laughs> so bundled together. That's insane. But, um, wow. Uh, might you get to meet Barack Obama through that project you mentioned there at all? Or? Well, what I you know, I, I'm 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 working so I don't know that I'll actually make it down to um down to DC for the premiere. Mm -hmm. Um but if I do, I, I I mean I would I would hope so. That'd be an interesting an interesting moment in time, certainly. <laughs> Yeah. So have you, is it safe to say you've been very focused on film, at least while the world's been kind of locked down? Because I was just going to ask if you had any plans to get back on a stage with um, one of your bands in the near future as well, if if you can. Yeah. You know, it's funny because there there were there were not not very many opportunities, and I, I got an email a few weeks ago. Someone said, "Hey, listen, I I saw your band play this show, and uh, you know, it was for the woes." And they said, "I I, I just I'm, I'm getting married, and I would love it if you were were." were able to or willing to play my wedding and we absolutely got everyone together and played a wedding last weekend <laughs> oh, but um we're we're going to be um i think doing some shows in brooklyn um later on this year with with both bands yeah what's the plan what's the plans of the bands is it sounds like with you becoming increasingly busy with film is that going to be a, a bit of a juggling act for you and are you planning to kind of record and do more gigs or um, for for a number of years now, it's really been you know a sort of a once a month or twice a month uh, deal. I think the, the the real the real thing will be finding the time to write new songs. I think, um, but uh, as soon as I find some, we'll record them and keep playing them. You know, I think so with with these bands, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate that that everyone I, I perform with just has has everything very close at hand and is able to um, reach for it at any moment. And we can just get on stages and, and do what we're doing. Um, you know, not necessarily with a moment's notice, but not much more than that. Oh, amazing. Well, I guess the final word is for everyone to go and watch um, Amend the Fight for America on that streaming now on Netflix or the various other films you mentioned. And yeah, check out The Woes and Big Hands Rhythm and Blues Band. That's on, that's going to be on Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, isn't it? I, I assume. Yeah, they're all over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much. Jose. It's been amazing to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no worries at all. Thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.